Hello, and welcome back to Zen Again. My name is Sophie Monsabias. I'm the Museum Services Manager here at the Northeast Georgia History Center, and I am here with Mr. Rick Spears, who is a paleo artist and the exhibit designer at Fernbank Science Center. So Good welcome. morning. Awesome. We're so glad to have you here. I'm excited to be interviewing you today because for people who don't know, we had a forum here at the History Center a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and uh, Rick Spears was our guest, and I wasn't here for that, and I uh, told our operations manager that I... What, I was really interested in what you do, and I like wanted to speak to you if I could. Sure. And she was like, why don't you interview him for the podcast? Awesome. So that's why I'm here today. <laughs> um, I'm excited. So could you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? Well, on a day-to-day -day basis, I uh, design and fabricate exhibits for Fernbank Science Center in Atlanta which is not the Museum of Natural History there. Why they named both places Fernbank, I'll never know. But we were first. We're, we're a part of the DeKalb County School System, and we started in 1967. Oh, wow. So we've been around quite a while. And then the uh, Natural History Museum was an offshoot of that. So at one point, we were kind of symbiotic relationship, but since then, we've kind of branched off and gone our own separate ways, so different from us now and separate. So you're, you're entirely different, but you have the same name. That's right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the in the area where our science center is is called Fernbank Forest. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so and there's a Fernbank School across the street. And is there a bank? A Fernbank Bank? Fernbank Bank would be awesome, but no. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, how long have you been? How long have you been there? I've been there a little over 20 years. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, so what exactly as a paleo artist, like what does that what does that mean? Well, um, it is where you take fossil remains as your guide and then reconstruct the animal how it may have looked in life, you know, okay. with this with the skin on. I put the skin back on the bones. Okay. So like when you walk because there's a big dinosaur well, now I'm thinking <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm thinking of Fernbank, the the larger one, but I know when you walk in there there's like a big dinosaur, right? Sure. They've got they've got skeletal mounts there, yeah. So are those real or are those something that you Make. No, well, I have made fossil replicas before, which is whereas I would sculpt bones or make bone casts or something, but those are actually casts. Okay. Because the real bones would be way too heavy to mount, especially mm -hmm. on the big long neck sauropod. But also, they don't have all of the skeleton. Ah. So they have to like use conjecture or, 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 or base bones off of other animals and uh, kind of give you the complete picture by putting together a skeleton. Okay, yeah, those are like the things you don't think about as a kid, you know. Oh, yeah, you just go, oh, man, a dinosaur. Yeah, and then you find out the truth, the dark <laughs> truth. <laughs> Ruined childhood. Yeah. <laughs> that's like a very unique, that was one of the reasons I was interested in talking to you is because mm -hmm. that's like such a unique job. I feel like that's the kind of job you don't really think about when you like think about museums. So like, how did you find out about it? How did you get into doing that? Well, um, you know how... Little kids love dinosaurs, mm -hmm. and the, I, we think it's maybe some kind of um, uh, dinosaur flu that kids get, and most of them outgrow it, but then some of us, you know, we're terminal. We uh, are going to love dinosaurs for the rest of our lives, so uh, that's what happened to me, and I've always made models and drawn prehistoric animals and such, and uh, then I had an opportunity to uh, use some of my models in a museum, a new museum, and from there, I, they said, well, just come be our exhibits person. I said, Okay. That's so and cool. uh, that's what happened. I became, instantly became professional. Wow. <laughs> so you were like, would you say you were in the right place at the right time? I was. Oh. Yeah. I'd worked in advertising for a newspaper in Athens. Oh, wow. 
And then fortunately, I got fired. Oh. <laughs> and so I did a lot of freelance work, just artwork and such. And in the meantime, I made some dinosaur models. And then when I found out about a new museum opening at the 4-H Center in Eatonton, I said, uh, hey, would you guys like some models? And they looked at them and they said, yeah, these are, these are nice. But then they talked and they needed an exhibits person. So that's where I came in. Oh, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. So like, how did you get into the, were you doing like dinosaur casting? Because you said you were an artist already, right? Yes. Okay. So were you doing casting was the dinosaur part, I'm guessing you were doing the art part as part of your being an, or the casting part as part of being an artist. And this, was the dinosaur part like the passion? Well, uh, like I said, I've always been crazy about dinosaurs. And when I got into molding and casting, that actually was something I had to learn on the job mm. when I started because there's all these materials like silicones and urethanes and these plastics and rubbers and stuff that you can use to make to make uh, molds and casts of, of, of bones or, or models. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was kind of like learning uh, as I went. I'm not an expert by any means because they're always coming out with new materials. <laughs> yeah, but, <they> are. <laughs> um, it was just, it was really neat to be able to, when I became an exhibits person, I got to learn the tools of the trade on the job. And that was, that was, I was really, I was really fortunate mm. to have that happen for me. It's, it's like any other job. You have techniques and tools and, and materials that you use for that job. So I just, I kind of learned as I needed to. Was, was there anyone there to like show you the ropes or? Not really. And this was pre-internet. <laughs> oh. So I had done a lot of reading ahead of time and I'd actually spoken to some other exhibit type people, designers mm. and stuff. And, you know, they said, well, I made this out of XYZ and you go, going to get me some XYZ and do that. So it's just it's just picking up tips from others. Or uh, This is kind of a goofy story, though. A long time ago, I was in Augusta, Augusta, Georgia, and happened to be down at this downtown section where the, the buildings were kind of abandoned. But I looked inside of one, and there was a life-size Allosaurus oh. in the building. And it was, it was you could tell somebody was making it. And I was just fascinated by that. And I called around and uh, finally found out who was doing it. And they told me what material they were using. So you know what? I got some of that material and made my own Allosaurus head. So that was one of the uh, the first models I made. That is so like, like what's what, would that be serendipity? Like it's just, <laughs> it was totally you... random. I, I was just I'm in Augusta, Georgia, and there's an Allosaurus in a building. And so. then the fact that you had to like call around. <laughs> yes, and I, I used a dial-up phone. <laughs> so it's been a while. Um, did you ever see yourself getting into museums prior to this? No. I didn't. I uh, have a degree in graphic design from the University of Georgia. And at the time, it seemed like everybody was going into advertising, which that's what I did, too. As soon as I got out of college, I, I got a job at a studio where we did artwork for advertising agencies. Now, I'm, I'm dating myself. Do you remember the TV show Bewitched? I know of it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Samantha Stevens, her husband, Darren, worked for an ad agency, and he would draw up mock-ups of what the ads would look like. Well, apparently ad agencies don't have their own artists like that anymore, so I worked for a studio that would do mock-ups of, of ads for them that they would present to their clients. So, uh-huh. you know, I was in advertising, and then I got into the newspaper in Athens doing ads, and then, I don't know, I, I think getting fired from there was the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me reassess my career and just able to take my artwork in a different direction, yeah. something that really made me happy. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I guess even, this was like a big question that I wanted to ask, because I'm, I'm very curious. Well, for starters, so you do everything like traditionally by hand, right? 
I do. I've done a little 3D printing type stuff, but as far as modeling stuff in 3D, that that just escapes me how people can, can do that. I'm, I'm Yeah, I'm more um, nuts and bolts and clay and, and hands-on. Even when I do illustrations, I, I end up, you know, hand-drawing them first before scanning them and working them on the computer. But yeah, you know, I, I don't mind the technology. Mm-hmm. I kind of uh, really like it and I wish I knew more, but I just don't have time to learn it right now. Mm, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask about. Um, I guess for context, like I'm an artist too. Oh, good. And I like to do, I like to make things by hand. Yeah. And there is, you know, that kind of 3D printing just in the past couple years has become so like ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. And I personally see value in still making things by hand. But um, I'm just wondering how you feel about like, I guess you kind of answered that already. (laughs) Well, you know, 3D printing has its place. Because if you're doing, say, a scale model of a, of a, of a dinosaur, you can get a file and print out a skeleton mm-hmm. and then use that as your basis for your sculpture, which is something I would love to do. I don't have a printer myself. I'm sure they're becoming cheaper and cheaper. The first one we had at work, though, it was, it was just way expensive. And to fix it would have cost more than the printer itself. Oh, so. my God, I was totaled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, there are places that if you have a file, I had a uh, project I was working on where I had to have an, uh, a model of an egg. Oh. The uh, the only dinosaur egg found this side of the Mississippi. Is oh, that right? wow. But I had a scan of it, a file, and I was able to contact through Etsy people to do printing. And you just send them the file, and then they send you the printed piece. Now, I know there's people locally that do it, but I'm not familiar with them. Mm. But, so, But there, there, there is a place for it in, in my world. Say I was going to do you know, a big life-size head of, a, of, a, of an Allosaurus. I could print the teeth out, and then I'd have accurate teeth uh-huh. to, to, uh, to go back into the skull like that. Okay, well, that's that's a cool way to think of it. Like it, it's a it's another tool. It's a tool, but it's not you know the main thing. Yeah, not the main tool. You you keep talking about the dinosaurs that you make. So do uh-huh. you have like a certain? Do you have like a quota? Like what what is it that <laughs> inspires a dinosaur? Why does a dinosaur need to be made? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, well, everything since those first dinosaurs I made and, and presented to the the museum people at Rock Eagle, most everything I've built has not been for fun. It's been for commissions mm-hmm. or for an exhibit type thing. Yeah, I don't have time for fun anymore. Are you making dinosaurs like only for Fernbank or are you like outsourcing? No, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do them for, uh, for work, but I also do them for freelance as well. I get uh, commissions from other museums, mm-hmm. a lot of them out of state. The last big one I did as a life-size skeleton, about 26 feet long of a prehistoric whale that was oh. here in Georgia. It was one of those just, it almost looks like a reptile. It's, it's, it's so foreign from our modern whales, mm-hmm. and it even had hind legs. Oh. So, but this is something I built for a, a museum in, in Albany, as a matter of fact. So some things are life-size, some things are scale models. I've built oh. scale models for other museums. A lot of people like smaller dinosaurs or, or animals because uh, they can fit in their cases. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you get, uh, you get larger commissions. My very first one of any scale was a life-size Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, my gosh. For a kid's mall in Michigan. You know, it's some guy called me up. He had seen a, a little article a friend had written about me making smaller models. And he says, could you do a life-size T-Rex? I said, sure. He says, well, great. We'll, we'll get started on it. I hung up the phone and I said, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. <laughs> None whatsoever. I'm running around to my friends. How tall is 20 feet? How long is 40 feet? I was just, oh. Again, it's one of those things where you just kind of like take what you know as far as uses of materials, incorporating them and kind of blending them together to make a new a new thing. Like I had all these techniques and things for sculpture that I just applied and, and made them bigger to do a T-Rex. So Yeah, yeah. Now, 
I do have a story about the T-Rex. Okay. This was this was way back several years ago. It was for a kids' mall in Michigan. Unfortunately, the mall had to close. A lot of malls closing. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of dinosaurs on house. A lot of uh, <laughs> homeless dinosaurs in, in Michigan. The owner, the guy that, that uh, had me build the dinosaur, called and said, how do we get this dinosaur apart? Because we're going to move it to California. Okay. And I said, well, first of all, it's not supposed to come apart. But uh, if you cut it here, 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 and here, take the pieces to California, I'll come back and reassemble it for you. Because I had to, I had to send it up in pieces mm-hmm. and then assemble it on site because it was such a big project. Time goes by and I didn't hear from him. And one day I ring him up. I go, what happened to your T-Rex project? He said, oh, we cut the head and tail off and threw the rest away. No! So I picture uh, in Michigan, some kids walking by a dumpster and there's these T-Rex legs sticking out. It'd be kind of funny. But just to, to jump ahead to the, the good news, the head came back to Georgia. Oh. And now it's in a museum in Milledgeville at the uh, Georgia College Museum. And it's since been repainted and freshened up. So at least the head still remains. The dinosaur lives on in some capacity. That's right. (laughs) After taking a world tour. (laughs) (laughs) California, San Diego, back to Georgia. All across. I know that... um, Back in the day, ma- when malls were really big, uh-huh. I know like theming was a big deal. So yes. I'm sure, um, I'm sure that happened to a lot of big objects, <laughs> dinosaurs, sure, novelty yeah. objects. <laughs> well, like I said, this this mall was was kid oriented. A lot of a lot of stores uh, catering to children. They wanted naturally dinosaurs in their atrium, so they had this T Rex, and it was being pestered by a, a flying reptile, and they had those lush greenery around. And the funniest thing is I was up there for the opening ceremony of the mall. And the band 98 Degrees was the opening band. Now, they've since disbanded and stuff. But it was, it was kind of funny. It is even before they were famous. And now I'm going, what? Who are these people? Why am I supposed to know them? But now uh, in my portfolio, I have a picture of the, the dinosaur with this band in front of it. So. Well, that's sweet. That's, that's sweet. That's my uh, claim to fame. <laughs> the dinosaur's claim to fame, too. <laughs> Another question. It was, like, really good. Now it's gone. I'm sorry. I'm talking too much. You should, you should talk. Oh, I don't know what I no, should right. say. <laughs> what, what about your dinosaur models? Uh, I don't have any dinosaurs. Well, models. it's time to get started. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I always like the long neck. I like I like animals with long necks. I'm not really into giraffes, which is a shame because they're like still around. Sure. I do like the brontosaurus, something I'll never see. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, thanks to uh, paleo art, you can kind of get an idea of what it looks like. Although our view of like dinosaurs from the early days, I mean, some of them are just, what were we thinking? Yeah. But I think as far as the, the sauropods, the long necks go, I think our view pretty much hasn't changed to that. Although at first they were shown with their legs sprawling like a lizard. So oh. I, I can imagine their stomachs dragging the ground. But. They, they don't really have toes though, do they? Don't they just have like stumps? Well, I have never seen any terrestrial animal that didn't have toes. Uh, they could be incredibly reduced, uh-huh. but everything seems to have toes. So a lot of reconstructions show them without toes at all. Like you said, it's just stumpy feet. But if you didn't have the toes to displace the weight, then those those long foot bones, which make up the foot, they would not be able to take the weight. They would crack and You'd have all these crippled long necks walking around. That's why they didn't Limping. Make it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you lose the toes, you lose your life. Yeah, I, admittedly, my uh, mental image of a brontosaurus is a cartoon. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that is helpful to know. <laughs> I think everything, though, even the big guys had toes. Maybe tiny little toes, but still toes. Mm. And y- yeah, that's that is true. That in um, all this time, I know our view of the T Rex has changed yes. a lot. Yes. Even from the time I was a child to now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Brano, like they haven't added feathers th- that I know of. <laughs> you know what? 
I, I know feathers are scientifically accurate, but I hate feathers on dinosaurs, mostly because I hate sculpting them. Oh. But um, a matter of fact, at, at work at, at, at the Science Center, I just, we had a model from the 1964 World's Fair. Oh, wow. It wasn't the model, but they had a bunch of dinosaur models made for the World's Fair so people could marvel at them. And the company that made them made copies and sold them to all over the place. Mm-hmm. So we have one that's, that looks like an ostrich. It's got a struthiomimus. To update it, I gave it feathers. I sculpted these feathers like a vest that you just oh. slip on as to not damage the historically inaccurate model. But um, Yeah, I was going to ask, do you, so do you, you do have to like go back to old models and make them more scientifically accurate? Yeah, sometimes we do. So, But we also gave her a, a flock of babies. Oh. So she's got uh, her brood at her feet, trying she's to give like the whole um, bird dinosaur connection there. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that that's an interesting thing to think about too since you're doing exhibits have like over over your career have the kinds of exhibits that they want you to make changed like are you doing more natural scenes or mostly I just do the one element the, the animal there have been times that I've I've done whole environments matter of fact the one I'm redoing now we have to change the landscape a little bit because it was all these palm trees and stuff you expect from like the Flintstones mm-hmm. <laughs> and but um, it'd be more uh, more like conifers and pine trees, so those trees have to change. And, and we have a long-necked dinosaur that wasn't even around, so he's got to go. No. But, oh, you're, oh, no, oh, no, you're no. long-necked, you're long-necked. We've got we to gotta get rid of him. I don't know what we're going to do with it. Send him to my house. Okay. <laughs> How big is he? The neck is maybe about... 12 feet long? Mm. It's just, it was it was uh, depicted submerged in water. Okay. You know, kind of floating with so the neck out. it's just a neck. So it's just a neck and shoulders. I can fit that out my window. That would be fine. I think <laughs> I think it'd be a lovely addition here at the uh, History Center. Yeah, it's like world history. <laughs> it's like the, you know, old history of exhibits. Yeah, yeah. We could just have like next to the cabin, we'd just have a dinosaur. <laughs> just have it pop out, you yeah. know, every once in a while. Have you ever had to add like animatronic elements? That, that might be like next level. I don't, I don't know. Um, no, I'm a, I'm kind of a still person. I don't mind like fleshed out models. You know, they're doing something like running or jumping or attacking somebody else. Mm-hmm. But when you see like a skeleton that's in an action pose, there's so much involved with that. Like there are cartilage pads between the vertebrae and you've got cartilage between joints and stuff. So when when they got them posed like that, you go, oh, I don't know. Mm. Could they really do that? Okay. So I prefer my my skeletons just standing there behaving themselves. But I don't know. Everybody seems to like the action poses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because, you know, even, like, the T-Rex, he used to just stand, like, way back. And oh, the yeah. T-Rex is, like, moving. And, yeah. yeah, that's why I was wondering if, like, as that seems to have become more popular, if they're like, we need a scene from you, you yeah. know? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. No no animatronics. I, I do remember the question I was going to ask oh, you okay. before, and it wasn't. It wasn't really a question. It was kind of dumb. <laughs> but I was just, because you were talking about the different kinds of like commissions that you do. Sure. And I was wondering if somewhere there's like a billionaire who just has a bunch of dinosaur skeletons that you've made. No, but uh, if you hear of anybody, please uh, send them my way. Okay. Uh, you know, I see these things online, these interviews with, uh, like you said, rich people who buy skeletons. Mm-hmm. And they have them in their house like an exhibit, but, you know, nobody sees them. I think it's just uh, the, you know, the joy of having it or saying, oh, I've got a, this rare skeleton. And you hear about like fossils belonging to everybody. But, yeah. you know, if it's private land, then the, the, the owner of the, of the land can do whatever they want with the skeleton. Oh, that's true. To a billionaire or whomever. Yeah. I've, I've done commission pieces mostly for museums, but very few private collectors. I'll just have to reach out to the billionaires I know. Oh, your billionaire <laughs> friends. Just, you know, send out a mass email. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested in, I don't know, people who have weird hobbies. And I'm like, someone somewhere, I'm sure, has like their own private dinosaur museum. <laughs> oh, I'm, I wouldn't doubt it. I feel, like, I feel like there's so much I could ask you about dinosaurs, but I like don't know. I wouldn't say my dinosaur, maybe my dinosaur fever did subside. Because I was really into them as a kid. Yeah. And then I think I just latched onto the brontosaurus, which is now a cartoon in my mind. And that's that's kind of where it ended. Well, brontosaurus is one of those animals that just growing up, that's all you hear is brontosaurus. brontosaurus. Really is. And then they said, well, there is no brontosaurus. It's really called a patasaurus. I, I remember, yeah. It's like Pluto. They took that from us. Well, get this, though. They said, no, no, no. Brontosaurus is its own animal. And so now it's back. So oh. we, both, we have both brontosaurus and a patasaurus. What's the difference? It was something to do with the skull. Is it like the bump on the head? Brontosaurus, you know, kind of has that squared off face. But they had found a dinosaur ahead of that and named it a patasaurus and it had more of a pointy snout. Oh. I could get into like the diplodocus type things, but it, no. Anyway, when it, when it was kind of pointy and then Bron- our pal brontosaurus had kind of a blunt head, they thought, oh no, we just put the wrong head on the wrong dinosaur. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that uh, brontosaurus is, a, is his own thing. Okay. So the, it's not like the apatosaurus was a one-off, like an exceptionally beautiful brontosaurus. No. It was its own thing. <laughs> no. And you know what? As far as, like, like right now, there's this, they found a new, or they've described a new species of Tyrannosaurus. Oh. Yeah. I can't remember, can't remember the last name. It's Tyrannosaurus, blah, 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 whatever the species name is. Mm-hmm. And then these people go, well, no, it's not a new species. It's really this and black. It's just back and forth and stuff with all these paleontologists and, and people like me who are armchair paleontologists. But I think a lot of a lot of species are the same thing, but we don't mm-hmm. take into, into account individuality. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if you were to, to take a lot of the same animal and put it together, you would find differences. Yeah. So We only have... We don't have them alive, so we can't really. That's right. I think there's only really five dinosaurs, but <laughs> because of, you know, individual characteristics, we, we have all these species. We just have, the, it's just the same five dinosaurs. You know what? They're all really just brontosaurus. So. That's, that's it. There's the, there's the swimming brontosaurus. Mm-hmm. There's the flying brontosaurus. <laughs> and the brontosaurus with plates on its back, yeah. spikes on its tail. That's it. The, some of them eat meat, some of them don't. Just everything's bronto. I like that. That's my, that's my view. That's my truth. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm just commandeering this conversation with the brontosaurus. No, listen, <laughs> it, go with what you know. That it, that's all I know. <laughs> and it also it makes me sad because like since they're so noble and graceful, they always kill them off in movies. That's right. Well, you know, they 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 can't bite you. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, like we want to show something bad's happening with dinosaurs. We want to show like a dinosaur going crazy. We want to show the dinosaur island exploding. Oh yeah, yeah. What are we gonna show first? A dying brontosaurus. That's right. Because everybody loves them and they really, you know, empathize with what they're going through. For, so for our listeners, if anyone wants to know like more about you or your field or like see more of your work, um, how can they do that? They can go to www.rickspearsart.com. It's the same as my email at gmail, rickspearsart at gmail.com. I had to add art because believe it or not, rickspears.com was already taken. No. Yes. <laughs> there is a, a comic book artist. Oh. A writer. He, I think he's a writer of comic books, but his name is Rick Spears. So he's he's famous in that realm, and he already grabbed the, the, uh, yeah, the uh, internet addresses. Love talking about stuff. Love answering questions. I'm also involved with the Paleontology Association of Georgia, or PAG. Oh. <laughs> uh, we're a statewide fossil club, basically. Professional paleontologists. We have amateur paleontologists. We have people that just like paleontology and fossils, have meetings 
quarterly and then a cool website which is paleontology association of georgia.com i think well actually and there's a, there's a facebook page oh awesome yeah we welcome all interested parties that's cool Dylan. georgia doesn't have much as far as dinosaurs go everything seems to be over there near columbus oh if you, if, you, if you picture Columbus, Georgia, and then work your way out into Alabama, it's, it's like almost like it, it spreads out. So believe it or not, chock full of dinosaurs. But we get the very end of them, the very uh-huh. tip of it. But we also have uh, a lot of fossil resources that aren't dinosaurs, everywhere from like the early ancient seas up into uh, mammoths and mastodons from just about 10,000 years ago. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, they're okay. recent puppies. There are, there are things other than dinosaurs. I've, yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, I, I do more than dinosaurs, but uh, that's the the coolest thing. Okay, and that's cool to learn too. There's like a dinosaur belt that stretches through Alabama. <laughs> that's right. Now we have we have the rocks for the dinosaurs, but there's no dinosaurs in those rocks. Wow. Maybe they took them. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they took our dinosaurs. Alabama. We will have our revenge. <laughs> All right. Well, I think with that, um, we'll go ahead and end it. Thank you so much. Oh, for thank being you, Sophie. Today. I appreciate your time. Thanks again for listening to. Sure. The, to, thanks again for coming, and thanks again to everyone for listening to our podcast. Rar. Oh. <laughs> then again is a production of the Northeast Georgia History Center in Gainesville, Georgia. Our podcast is edited by Andrews Gilles. Our digital and on-site programs are made possible by the Ada May Iyster Education Center. Please join us next week for another episode of Then Again.